0: Okay, it wasn't quite the Welsh men's choir. <laughs> I, I think they did all right. I think they did all right. So thank you, Jeremy, for making that happen. And all you guys who said, well, I can come to one practice and sing. Well, I, I bet that's going to happen again th- sometime throughout the year, uh, that uh, he'll do a one practice in a, in a Sunday. So we come now to Psalm 36. So you can find it in your worship folder or open your Bibles. And turn there, (coughs) and we'll look at this. So if you're able, would you stand with me as we prepare to feast on the Word of God? Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we ask that our eyes would be opened by the power of your Holy Spirit. So these are more than just words on a page, but they come alive in our hearts that they cut into our very souls, Lord, and, and reveal where we are not in step with you and, and the, the path to be in step with you. How the world is and how you call us to be. And remind us, Lord, of this great and steadfast love that you have for those who are in Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. So Psalm 36 Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in that way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O God, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light oh continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart let not the foot of arrogance come upon me nor the hand of the wicked drive me away there the evildoers lie fallen they are thrust down unable to rise this is God's inspired word for us today so please be seated If you were listening, you you probably heard some themes that you'll find in the New Testament, and in fact, uh, this is quoted in, in quite a few places in the New Testament. And of course, as I referenced in our unison reading, that uh, Paul may have had that, especially the first four verses, before him as he is writing that first chapter of Romans, uh, which we'll touch on in a little bit. So let's review a little bit from last week. Um, And the reason why people continue to pursue sinfulness. Okay, Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where wisdom starts. It starts, it recognizes God's role in the world and and everything around us. And how, what part God plays in that. And ultimately he is the judge of every man. Proverbs chapter 8, we read the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? It means you have to hate evil evil because you understand not just the nature of evil that it's destructive in a very temporal sense but the result of evil destructive in an eternal sense so if you fear the lord you have wisdom and if you have wisdom you hate evil if you love evil wickedness and sin then you don't have wisdom because you don't fear the lord they all go together so the foundation of the wicked man's life, his character, his deeds, is a lack of the fear of God, like the full of Psalm 14. The wicked lives, live as if God does not exist, and they refuse to believe that they're ever going to be held accountable to him. Now sin, wickedness, is it's used here in, in the Hebrew, and evil don't seem to be be big problems in large portions of our society recently the problem seems to be with those who recognize sin evil and wickedness who speak against those things and attempt to stem that influence within society now from last week i quote again there is no sure and no sadder evidence of a corrupted wicked and abandoned society than when it will not tolerate anger against sin When our anger against sin is not tolerated, that's trouble. So Psalm 36, just like Psalm 1, is a contrast between the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. So those are polar opposites. So we can never think that coddling, attempting to get along with or ignoring sin, either in our own lives or in society as general will come somehow, will somehow lead to their eyes being open. You know, Randy is so nice, and he never condemns me. In fact, he says that I'm a pretty good guy, even though I'm doing everything that that he stands against. You know what, I think I'll follow what he believes. No, why should anybody follow Christ if they think their sin is good? Not that we have to beat their heads against the wall over their sin, but it has to be said. There is right and there is wrong. There is wickedness and there is righteousness. So a friend comes to you as an example. A friend comes to you and says, I'm just not happy in my marriage. My spouse just fails to live up to what I want. And, and, and you know, I just don't understand why God would want me to be so unhappy. So it's wickedness to encourage them to consider that God would ever even bless them if they left their spouse. There's no blessing of the Lord in leaving their spouse or that God wants them to be happy. I think God likes it when we're happy, but that's not a guarantee in life, okay? Faithfulness and obedience is the guarantee, and out of that flows our joy. When someone is struggling with those things and all their friends come to them and say, you deserve better. They're leading them into wickedness. Okay, Leading them into wickedness. It is wicked to confirm someone in their sin. Again, I'll just quote from last week and the quote from Rosario Butterfield speaking about the transsexual movement within the world. Trans identity and Jesus are not neighbors. We're even close relatives. It's one or the other. Christians need to learn to love their enemies. Not pretend they're our friends, but to love them. To love them it takes courage to push back against the spread of sin and wickedness in society do we have the courage to do so okay. so the problem that we face is that those who are slaves to sin don't really know they're slaves to sin those who love wickedness don't view it as wickedness they view it as their right the, who they are just, just the way that the world is why because they have a low or non-existent view of sin As long as people have a low view of sin, they have a low view of the law of God, they'll have a low view of obedience to the Lord, they will be unable to grasp that they are enslaved to sin. As were we. As were we. There was a time in our lives when we did not believe. There was a time in our lives when we did not know God. But God in his faithfulness and in his care and in his love for us opened our eyes to the truth of the gospel. You know, we can't look back and go, you know, those terrible sinners, if only they had come to Christ, because that was us, okay? I remember being outside of Christ. Oh, it sounded like fun then, but now that I look back at it, I would never return to those things, never return to that way of life, those priorities. We need to help people understand that there is a joy and a life and and, and a peace that they cannot find in the pursuit of the things of the world. So David gives us some insights into the wicked, the, the mind of the wicked, so to speak. And then this last section, those first four verses, and then verses 5 through um, 10, reminds us of who God is. And the fact that he gives us a love that he calls steadfast. Now that is... Um, a term you may have heard hesed it is a type of love that is god's love for us it is this wonderful love that never changes when he bestows it upon us it is there for all time now this psalm is considered an oracle now an oracle is a common word in the old testament but it's usually joined with the term with, with the lord an oracle of the lord well here in this psalm it is an oracle of wickedness or an oracle to the wicked. Okay? This is a word from the Lord to the wicked. And as I said, we can look at Romans chapter 1, 18, 24, 26, 28 in particular about the same um, view of the wicked and Paul lays that out for us. And in fact, at the, it, later in, in Romans 1, it says God finally just gave them over to their wickedness. They loved it so much, and God warned them, and God warned them, and he finally said, okay, go have at it. Reap what you have sown. So Paul quotes Psalm 36 in Romans chapter 3 in particular. So as we go through these first four verses to start with, uh, I found in various sources five things that, that pull out here that David speaks about the decline of the wicked okay, about the decline of the wicked. Number one, the wicked become the center of their own universe, become the center of their own universe, egocentric is what we would say today, and because of that, they are self-deceived, self-deceived. Jonathan Edwards said, some flatter themselves with the secret hope there is no such thing as another world, that death is a great way off, they lead a moral life so they think they shall not be damned. They flatter themselves, affirm their own intentions as valid. They have done a great deal to earn salvation, they think. Flatter themselves that they have already been converted. Okay, that's the danger of the wicked. They become the center of their own universe. In fact, Spurgeon gives us a few ways the wicked man excuses his own uh, lowering the expectations of God and raising his own expectations versus relative to sin wicked man says mine are not sins at all which a mind corrupted by the passion and interest can easily believe I'm not really sinning Spurgeon says well they're only small or venial sins not really sins it's a little white lie okay it's just a little white lie or sins that will be excused if not justified by my intentions you know what I I just, I'm I'm working so hard to please God, and and my intentions are good, so I am sure that he will pay no attention to my sin. That's not correct. So, the wicked become the center of their own universe. Number two, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on number two just because of its importance, without an unchanging standard for what is good and what is evil. The wicked are unable to detect their sin and unable to hate their sin. Now, one of the functions of the law is to show us our sin, okay? Uh, How do we know that I shouldn't murder somebody? Uh, Exodus 20, the first, you know, says, Exodus chapter 20, do not commit murder. That's premeditated murder. Well, what's wrong with stealing? God says, thou shalt not steal, What's wrong with cheating on my wife? God says thou shalt not commit adultery. It goes on like that. That's the law. It shows us what is right and what is wrong. Law never saved anybody. Remember that. It only shows us what is right and what is wrong. So if you're unable to know then you are unable to be repulsed by your sin. Unable to reject your sin. Um, If we see or participate in sin too often we'll come to accept it as the norm okay Joseph Goebbels the propaganda minister for Hitler applied this concept to society as a whole if you tell a lie and tell it big enough and keep repeating it people will eventually come to believe it the lie can be maintained only for such time as the state can shield the people from the political economic and or military consequences of the lie It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie and thus by extension the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Now you know Nazis had their own issues going on there but at the heart of it is true. If you just tell it with such conviction and without doubt then everybody else is going to begin to, to doubt what they think is right and what is true. The propagation of a lie. So this also applies to the lies that we tell ourselves. That's where we're going with this. The lies we tell ourselves. It'll be okay. Nobody will know. It's just this one time. Well, Okay, it's two times. No, it's three times. And it goes on like that. We begin to tell ourselves these lies, and we begin to justify then our own wickedness in our own pursuit of sin so let me give you a current example of how culture is unable to detect or hate the actual pursuit of sin now some of you have already seen the movie the sound of freedom and um, you know it's very important i think tim ballard is the man who it's patterned off of and it's about he founded operation underground railroad in 2013 He's a former Department of Homeland Security agent, and he pursued child sex traffickers. Child sex traffickers. Do you know what? uh, You have heard it before, but I'll remind you that Highway Interstate 20, highway is the super highway of trafficking, okay? In this country, more sex trafficking moves on Highway 20 than any other interstate in the country. Okay? We have supported in the past, and uh, some people have worked down at the Well House, which is a place down around Birmingham, that rescues women out of trafficking. Okay? So it is very bad. So he is particularly after those who traffic children and to rescue children. So it's interesting, as, as we close our eyes to sin, that the vast majority of the major film critics in the industry boycott this film. They don't review it. They don't go see it. They don't even talk about it. And those who have say it's a wild goose chase about a non-existent problem. What's sin? I don't see any sin. Okay, why not? Because I'm blind to it. Jim Caviezel, who's the the star of it, plays Tim Ballard. He responds to these attacks. When there is evil, real evil in the world, And when love is in your heart, boy, evil is just a coward to God. So in a recent interview, Ballard accounted for some of the reasons the film and the subject matter has been attacked. And I reference it here because it highlights the wicked. So according to Ballard, these are what he described as the doctrines of the pedophile network. We must separate children from parents because parents are a bad influence. Now, I might have been, but Judy was there to help, okay? <laughs> but that's the concept, separate children from parents because the state knows best. We must sexualize children, let them see anything they want as, at an early age as possible. We must take God out of education because God gets in the way, Children can consent to anything. Anything, at any age. If a child says yes, that's consent. So, that's what Ballard Ballard calls the doctrines of the pedophile network, which is international. Okay, international. Illustrating the separation of parents aspect, the state of Washington recently passed a law that reportedly enables individuals at youth, youth or homeless shelters to avoid a to avoid informing a child's parents of law enforcement of their whereabouts if a child is seeking, without the parent's consent, sex change, mastectomy, implants, abortion, puberty blockers, assisted reproduction services, they call it. Okay? These are some of the things that, that society has said are just fine now. Why? Because they, they cannot see the sin. Their wickedness has blinded them to it. Um, According to the US Customs and Border Protection, so far this year, 91,000 minors, unaccompanied minors, have crossed the border into this country and have been intercepted. Now, why are children under five coming across the border unaccompanied? Well, they come across the border with a name, and it's the name of their sponsor, and that name was given to them by the person who trafficked them on the other side of the border. So they come, they show their name, that person is contacted, yes, I've been waiting for my nephew, my child, my niece, whatever, and they come and pick up that child. And then they're trafficked in this country. The publication Variety reported that Sound of Freedom generated roughly $40 million in only six days of release playing on very few screens. Disney's Indiana Jones played on many, many screens and made a little bit more money than The Sound of Freedom. And the last eight movies put out by Disney lost approximately $900 million. Do you know what the themes of those and images in those movies were? What sin? I don't see any sin. The wicked close their eyes because they cannot see they cannot see sin so they pursue what they think is right so number three if you're unable to detect sin then you're unable to speak the truth you're unable to do what is wise you're unable to do what is right sins of the minds will express themselves in actions in the words we say in our judgments in all that we do if your heart is not right sooner or later it's going to come out in your conduct Sooner or later, it's going to come out in your speech, okay? What did we learn when we were kids? I, I know, that's, that's a wide-open question. Um, about what we took into our minds. It was garbage in, garbage out. No, no, I see that, but, but it doesn't affect me. Sooner or later, it's going to come out, okay? If all you eat are Twinkies, sooner or later, you're going to feel the consequences of eating nothing but Twinkies, okay? So, it'll come out in ways you lack patience with others okay you rising selfishness ignoring what is right pursuing sin you take it in it's going to come out if you can't detect sin you're unable to do what is right number four when there's no restraining influence of the gospel the wicked become so abandoned to evil that they think about it day and night they think about it when they lie down and when they wake up when i worked on a dairy farm Uh, We had a cow, Sterling, biggest animal I've ever seen, okay? I mean, the cow, that its shoulder is as tall as I am, okay, Sterling. All she did was produce bulls, so she was not really a very good cow. But one day, the fence was down at the orchard, and she got into the orchard. And I want to tell you, that cow was in there all day, living its best life, it thought, just eating apples, and we finally found Sterling, and when we got there, she looked at us with that look that you can kind of interpret, like, I think I'm going to die. Okay? She looked at us, and, and she almost did, okay, she almost did. But she pursued exactly what she wanted, because the constraints, the fence, was down. And there was no constraining that sin and that natural desire of that cow. When there is no constraint, when we cannot recognize evil, we begin to think about it day and night. Our constraints are gone and we pursue it. And you know what we get? We get what we deserve eventually. Okay, what do we learn? Bad behavior is bad for you. Number five, the wicked cannot reject evil even when it becomes apparent to everyone that it is wrong. Remember Romans chapter one. Okay, God finally says, I've told you it's wrong. I told you there are consequences. But you continue to pursue it. Okay. Have at it. Go go for it. In the depraved mind. Evil becomes good. And good becomes evil. Truth becomes error. Error becomes truth. Peace becomes turmoil. Turmoil becomes peace. Joy offered by the Lord. Becomes misery. In the eyes of the wicked. But. There's that great word. Okay, but look at verse 5. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God, The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. There's all this wickedness. And and David, for whatever, whatever the context is, he is showing us what the wicked are like. And then he goes, but let me remind you about the God who has called you, about the God you serve, about the God whose love is steadfast and never changes for you. One, he says, it is satisfaction. The righteous feast, in verse 8, on the abundance of the Lord's house. Think of moving your small children to a new house, okay? And you, they walk into the house the first time, and you as dad or mom go, here's your house and and they go this is our house now you're writing the check for it um, but yes it is your house see the lord has writes the check for us and then he says and this is for you okay this is the abundance that i have for you and you give them drink from the river of your delights that word delights you might be translated as joys That's the plural of the word Eden. What was Eden like? I mean, we weren't there. It's as good as it got paradise. That's what the Lord has for us. Verse 9 For with you is the fountain of life. God is the source of life. It is eternal life. And eternal life is, is far more developed in the New Testament as a concept and as an understanding. And in it we have light. What is seen in nature and the fullness of his light is his revelation in the person of Jesus Christ. See, there's wickedness and then there's the steadfastness of God. There is the sin that they can't even see sin because their eyes are blinded to it and they pursue it with gusto even to the point that God says, okay, I'm going to give you up. But he has placed us in this world, one, as a hedge against evil, one, as the light of the gospel. And he he is with us. He's steadfast. His love does not change. His love does not leave us. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise from our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Why? I refer you to the first half. and all the sins of wickedness that are out there, when wickedness becomes right, righteousness becomes wicked and when that happens those who stand for christ are short of persecution but we are assured of god's steadfast love for us we are not assured of freedom from the trouble we are not assured of freedom from persecution or being ostracized or being hated or society just i don't care what you say makes no difference to me about what you believe you go and believe on your own apathy but we are here to declare the steadfast love of god even in the face of all the wickedness in the first half let's pray our heavenly father we come before you today and and uh it's not hard to see the wickedness in society there seems to be new trends that arise new wickedness but it's, it's the same as the old wickedness just packaged in something different all around us it seems that uh, people love their sin more and more perhaps those who who are in authority over us and in your sovereignty you've placed them there and they're, they, maybe they're pursuing wickedness not all we're concerned about our hearts though and our pursuit of what is right and our confidence in the steadfast love that you have for us you have called us to be at war Christian life is war evil is out there and we are to battle against it but we do not battle with just this earthly body we have we battle with the heavenly tools that you give to us the power of the Holy Spirit, the sure knowledge of the victory of Christ, that the gates of hell cannot stand against the movement of the church. They will crumble. And we know whose power it is we rely upon. So Lord, as we face these things, this wickedness in society, remind us, even those dark times when we think it's winning, that your love for us is steadfast, It's higher than the mountains, reaches deep into our soul and will never let us go. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.